Hello out there, this is Ryan Janke. You are listening to Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap on KFGO. I am joined, as always, by Corey Litton. God, it seems like we haven't been here in a while. It seems like we haven't been here in a while. Uh, thankfully, we've, uh, thankfully, the listeners have been able to suffer through listening <laughs> to us since we've been here last. It's always great to have content. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is great to have content. And speaking of content, we've got a show lined up for today. We've got uh, some results from uh, a snow series in West Fargo, uh, Dirt Nationals in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and we have a guest lined up for today as well. That's right. We have Benji Fromke that's going to be coming up here later on in the show. But we're going to start off with a little bit of results here from the uh, 286 Snow Series of the Red River Valley Speedway. This is kind of like a beginner to a, kind of a novice level uh, startup for like the snowcross. Okay. So uh, one of the great things that they've done out at the Red River Valley Speedway is they got rid of the building out of the middle, which okay. is awesome. <laughs> so we got some room over there now. Uh, they sure. took they took down all the guardrails and stuff to make make uh, snowcross tracks. And the beauty of that is now they don't have to be confined to just one little track. They can reshape the whole thing. Oh, they, nice. They make their own snow out there. All these are, they're so, all the snowcraft tracks are supposed to be 100% man-made snow. Okay. Uh, and they have the machines. So if they want to, they can just go ahead and completely redo the compl- the track altogether and you know have a different layout every time they go, to, go out to race. So... Um, and this is one of those things that's starting to come up, and it's it's gaining a lot of traction in this area in the racing uh, industry around here because there's a lot of kids that are involved in this, and a lot of names that are that come from racing's past around here. Sure. So they have to make their own snow. They can't. Yep. Really. Okay, I did not know that. Yeah, it has to be 100% man-made. That way it stays consistent all the way through. Um, you don't have, like, you know, end up getting ice chunks out of the whole deal or something like that. Oh, it's, okay. It, it has a consistency to it that uh, really, really helps out for racing out in the, uh, in, uh, that's pretty much the way that the snowcross operates everywhere. Okay. Wow. I, yeah. Learned something new today. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, the first uh, first day of that, though, was Saturday, November 26th for the 286 Snow Series at the, uh, the Red River Valley Speedway. Winners out there in the 11 to 13 juniors was Gavin Brault. 14 to 17 juniors was Lawrence Egg. 200 stock 5 to 7-year-olds. So, yes, you, you read that correctly. 5 <laughs> to 7. They're starting early. Um, that would be uh, Sullivan Bergman. Two, uh, 200 stock 8 to 10-year-olds was Lincoln Scar. Uh, 200 stock A, Noah Kwame. 200 stock B, Sullivan Bergman. 200 stock C, Tessa Nosted. 8 to 10 juniors, Trip Knudsen. Uh, amateur stock, uh, Bailey Schmitz uh, got the win there. Uh, in the blast class, which I'm interested to find out what what uh, constitutes that, it'll be uh, Parker Mylander. Uh, the champ class is won by Lincoln Scar. Uh, the girls are won by Aspen Lomsdahl. Girls Plus, Kendall Rose, Improved Stock, Owen Eidsness, Junior A, Lawrence Egg, a Junior B, Brody Esselman, a Junior B Plus, Taven Knutson, Junior C, Tanner Engelstead. Outlaw Class is won by Tanner Engelstead. Uh, so he he won two in a row. Okay. Uh, yeah, good run for the, for that yeah. young fella there. Uh, the pros are, uh, it's Pro 206 was Sullivan Bergman. Uh, Semi-Pro 206, Harrison Scar, Stock 120, Owen Eidsness, and Zumi Briggs Brecky. I'm interested to find out what that class is also. But, you know, no, kind of looking at this, uh, obviously 200s or 206s, that'd be the size motors in them. Um, uh, animal, or the, uh, like the, um, 
the Champ class, I'm guessing, is a, the bigger motor kind of stuff. Sure. At least from what I remember from when I was doing ice level racing, that kind of the, the thing with it is you want to keep the classes as close as possible. Mm-hmm. But with the, I mean, the way there's still innovation going on in this this form of the industry where they're making more powerful motors or different setups with the 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 suspensions and stuff like that. So uh, my that's why they have so many different classes of these. They're trying to try to keep at least the competition as close as possible. Sure. Yeah, but it is uh, like Outlaw or yeah. Z- Zumi. What? Zumi. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm interested to figure find out what that was. <laughs> um, but I and, and again going back to I mean I'm seeing a lot of names in here. Aspen Lomsdahl is a is a name that the last name Lomsdahl. Joe Lomsdahl I believe is her father. And he, uh, Joe Lomsdahl used to be a Mod 4 uh, ace around this area. He was a good runner back many years ago. Um, Nosted, that's a familiar name from up in the northern part of the valley up here in the uh, uh, Midwest Modifieds and now I believe up in the late models, uh, Zach Nosted. Yeah. So, I mean, there's lots of Engelsteads, of course, that's always a big name in, oh, yeah. in uh, snowmobile racing. So it's cool to see so many different uh, names that are from the past coming back up uh, through this. Yeah, and, and the uh, the skill that you had that you learn riding snowmobile, racing snowmobile. How does that how does that help you going forward if you want to get behind the wheel of a of a, a stock car? Well, I mean, um, I can't really speak from a talent side in this one because I don't have any. But uh, <laughs> the my guess is uh, it, it helps you learn how to read a track better because uh-huh. I mean you need to know where to put these things, right? So yeah. you need to be able to be able to read the way that the track looks, uh, the way the jumps are, the way the ruts are, everything like that. So I I can only imagine that uh, especially in you know it's always decreased uh, uh, visibility also because of yeah. the snow dust and everything that comes up, and sometimes the sun gets in your eyes and it's bright out there. It's it it, it has to teach you a lot of the uh maybe handling yeah handling yeah. um uh your your hand-eye coordination everything like that it just it teaches you so much it also teaches you endurance too because it is not easy on the body to go through any of those those jumps or anything like that it it'll wear you out sure yeah uh, so yeah it's it's um uh it, it's definitely a, a good good thing we got going out here bringing uh, these kids in here they also had another run Sunday, November 27th, a uh, lot of familiar names in this one here once again, picking up the wins, but we had 11 to 13 juniors were, were won by Taven Knudsen, 14 to 17 juniors, Lawrence Egg, 200 stock 5 to 7-year-olds, Easton Green, 200 stock 8 to 10-year-olds, Lincoln Scar, 200 stock A, Tate Blasey, 200 stock B, Aspen Lomsdahl, 200 stock C, Carter Deardall, uh 8 to 10 juniors, Trip Knudsen, Amateur stock, Bentley Holloway. The blast class was won by Brady Wimpheimer, which first attempt at me saying that name out loud, and I think I got it. Um, don't ask me to spell it, please, even when they have it written in front of me. Uh, champ, George uh, George Bettiger. Uh, girls uh, class was won by Aston, uh, Aspen Lomsdahl. Girls plus, Kendall Rose. Improved stock, Owens Eidsness. Junior A, Colin Taggart. Junior B, Nolan Kane. Uh Junior B plus Taven Knudsen, Junior C Tanner Engelstead, Outlaw Tanner Engelstead, Pro Two Hundred Six Koi Maruska, uh, Semi Pro Two Hundred Six Harrison Scar, Stock One Twenty Owen Eidsness, and Zumi Briggs Brecky won that one again. All right. Their next uh, show will be Saturday, December Thirty First, and Sunday, January First, at the Red River Valley Speedway. Very cool. All right. 
So uh, snowmobile action there. We had uh, some modified racing, though, modified late models uh, going on down in St. Louis, Missouri, right? That's right. Thursday, December 1st through Saturday, December 3rd. This last weekend uh, had a great night, or a great several nights of racing. The Gateway Dirt Nationals at the Dome at America Center in St. Louis, Missouri. They're not using that uh, that uh, football stadium this no. time of year anyway, so might as well do something. Uh, ever since the Rams moved out, um, they thought, why don't we throw a race? Why don't we build a track in the inside the dome and let's race? So oh. they built a fifth mile race track out there. A fifth mile, okay. So it's you know smaller than like Buffalo River Speedway, um, but bigger than the go kart track at least. Sure. Uh, over in West Fargo. <laughs> sure. um, and it's been interesting. We have had a lot of people from this area that go down to and uh, and race at this event and have done done so in the past uh, couple of years with some success because Tyler Peterson. He's the defending dome champion, and he's also the back-to-back with Soda Modified champion from around this area. Uh, he is out of Hickson, North Dakota. He qualified ninth quickest in the first day with a 12.997 second lap. Michael Antibelli was Altabelli, excuse me, was the fastest with a 12.664. Peterson he ended up finishing uh, second to Altabelli in his uh, in heat race number one, locking him into the qualifying A main later on that night. Glendon's, uh, Glendon, Minnesota's Joey Thomas was sixth in qualifying with a 12.905. Thomas started second, and there's a little bit of drama that starts in this one here. But uh, in heat number two, he made it to the lead, but he was spun out by Mike Harrison. No. Mike Harrison, one of the more accomplished uh, drivers in the UMP modified circuit, which is the rules that they were running under. Um, yeah, caught him, caught him in the tail end. As they're going into turn one, Joey spins it around, and uh, had, he had no choice. I mean, there's nothing he could do. Kept it off of the walls, which was great, but had to go back to, back to the back of the pack. No fault cautions there. So, okay. Uh, Mike Harrison ended up winning that heat race. Um, not a lot of people were happy about that, especially mm-hmm. people from this area. Yeah. My Facebook feed blew up. It was pretty uh, entertaining. <laughs> uh, Thomas charged up to fifth spot, but finished one spot out of making the A main from uh, the heat race. Thomas started second in his B main and won it by in uh, putting him into the A main. Watertown, South Dakota's Trevor Anderson qualified seventh with a 12.921, starting him second in heat race number three. Anderson lost two spots but transferred into the A main. Peterson started fifth and finished second, locking him into Saturday night's main event. Thomas started 17th and charged up to 11th in a track that was not very easy to pass on. So great run by that kid. And uh, Anderson improved from 14th to, uh, excuse me, also improved to 14th from 15th. Drake Troutman took the win. Michael Ledford finished in a third with Peterson finishing in that second spot. And we're all locked into the A main for Saturday night. The late models, smooth operator Bobby Pierce Won the A main with Ryan Unzicker in second and Tanner English finishing in the third, all locking them into the big show. Moving on to Friday, with Soda's winningest driver, the Ironman Shane Sabraski qualified second in the Modifieds with a 12.769. I've said this before, um, Shane Sabraski can win an uphill uh, wheelbarrow <laughs> race with a flat tire and him sitting in it. <laughs> He's He can win in anything. Um uh, unfortunately, he didn't quite have the luck he was looking for. He did have some good starts to the uh, to the day, at least on Friday. Ricky Thornton Jr. had a quick time of 12.601. Sabraski started on the pole for heat race number two, left the field in the dust, picking up the win, putting him into the A-main for that night. Uh, the moment of the night probably happened next, though, when uh, Charlie Mefford found himself on his roof in the B-main, and he ended up giving an all-time great interview. 
Um, he got got the crowd to yell, "You can't park there!" <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he used used sounds instead of words to describe what happened uh, <laughs> and how he was going to be driving. Um, I wish I could I could duplicate those, but it was a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, the interview was just, it was mint. Um, and he was pushing his merchandise during this, too. He had T-shirts, that, and he told everybody what section he could go buy them at. And uh, his shirts have Pit Lizard Pimp on it, <laughs> which I bought a shirt immediately when I found out, okay, this is on Race Ranch. Okay, I'm going to go get this right now. This kid is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and it's on both sides. It, it, it looks awesome. Um he didn't. Uh, he totaled his car, so he was done. But he ended up coming into the booth the next night and put on. A, he's actually pretty good for about a, I think a fifteen-year-old kid, fifteen, sixteen-year-old kid. Wow. Yeah, very entertaining, and, and uh, <laughs> kind of sounds like a more hyped-up Dale Jr. Okay. <laughs> uh, the A main that night, though, Sebraski unfortunately caught the track opening, which caused the right rear tire to go down as well as some rear end damage, ending his night. Ricky Thornton Jr. Uh, he won a, he won the modified race that night and, you know, uh, in other news, water is wet. Um, he's another guy that'll win pretty much anything you can get him into. Uh, Mike McKinney passed 15 cars to finish in the second spot and Jordan Grabowski finished in third. So those two, those three names right there, pretty much some of the best modified racers. I mean, you got Ricky Thornton Jr. has won in everything. He's won in USMTS. He's won in, in, uh, IMCA, uh, I'm pretty sure he won a won a Pinewood Derby. Um, and Mike McKinney, who is one of the top UMP modified drivers, and Jordan Grabowski is a former IMCA national champion, along with Ricky Thornton Jr. So the those three guys, they should have been near the front. Uh, the late models that night, Hudson O'Neill and two-time defending Dome champ, uh, champ Tyler Carpenter got into an on-track incident where Carpenter crowded O'Neill up the up to the track opening, which caused heavy impact on uh, O'Neill's car. O'Neill gathered it back up after the yellow flag came out, and there were a lot of cars involved in the incident that got taken out. Uh, he decided he just went and slammed right into Tyler Carpenter after that. <sighs> Hit him in the left rear, uh, flattened his tire, and they have a no-flat rule. If you have a flat tire, it doesn't matter if it's a left front, like there is in some series as long as the tire is still on the wheel, mm-hmm. you can still continue. Okay. Now, if you have no air, there's a minimum air pressure rule in there, and that's a, more of a rule because people were running low air pressures, and it just made the track peel up. It, oh, it, it okay. would just dig the rims. Yeah. The rims would catch and peel up. So, uh, Carpenter had to go uh, go to the pits after that, but because there were so many DNFs in that heat race, he still finished fourth. <laughs> really. So he actually had a pretty decent starting spot in the B main where he was able to grab that last transfer spot uh, and put himself into the feature race. Um, Cody Bauer picked up possibly one of the biggest wins of his career in the A main as I didn't know who he was, and he won against some of the best late model drivers <laughs> in the country. Uh, he, Will Harrington finished in the second spot, and Tyler Turbo Herb finished in third, punching their tickets to the main event. Carpenter passed 13 cars to finish in fifth, which helped him out for championship Saturday because they weren't running heat races. He pretty much had a qualifier, so that kind of okay. helped him start towards the front. Speaking of championship Saturday, um, and I got to take a step back here a little bit and talk about Joey Thomas and my experience racing against this uh, kid and how he's going to do something here in a moment that I'm going to talk about that w- does not surprise me one bit. In yeah. fact, I've seen it personally happen to myself. Um, so when I was racing go-karts, we were trying to do the thing where we were shooting some footage 
so we had GoPros mounted on a bunch of our a couple of our carts, and I was racing against another another adult, and then we had some of the younger kids racing out there too that were running around on different lines because they they're lighter, so they could make it work. Okay. Um, Joey drove next to me for probably about three laps, didn't touch the entire time, which considering my talent level was amazing. Um, <laughs> so coming out of what was turn two at the time uh, before we flipped the track around uh, to where the front straightaway is now, there is a big runoff area coming off of the coming off of that corner, and I said, "Ah, screw it." So I turned right a little bit coming off. Turned, I should say, I exited the corner a little earlier. Okay. I didn't give him any room, <laughs> and I pushed him right off into the grass. I didn't hit him hard. I barely even felt it. Um, I, it probably would have, I probably would have felt it better if I actually would have reached out myself and pushed him with my own arm. <laughs> um, four laps later, he blew around me like I was standing still on the outside. So he was messing with me the entire time he was sitting next to me. And he never touched me either, going around really? the outside again. And, and anybody that's ever raced in the go-karts out there at the Red River Car Club knows it is not easy to stick it on the high side of that place, let alone do it for several laps in a row, then run somebody down, and then go around them on yeah. the outside. So, yeah, keep that in mind here because there's something similar that happens <laughs> a little bit <laughs> from this kid, and I, it doesn't surprise me at all when he did it. Uh, Trevor Anderson, he suffered a, suffered a part failure in his qualifier, ending his night early. Shane Sabraski, the tough luck uh, kept up with him, and I, I think it's I think it should be said that it's very rare when we report on Shane Sabraski losing, so that's why this <laughs> that's why we kept this in. Uh, he finished in uh, <laughs> he started and finished in the eighth position. Uh, ending his night as well in his qualifier. Joey Thomas started fourth in the qualifier and passed Mike Harrison cleanly and then ran away from him. Like, wow. He just went right by him, didn't touch him, and was gone. Didn't yeah. even slow him down. Not only that, he wore a Mike Harrison shirt in the big pre race intro, <laughs> which I was, I'm, I'm proud of him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Michael uh, Ledford took the lead in lap number one of the feature race. Tyler Peterson, Jordan Grabowski, and Ricky Thornton Jr. fought hard behind Ledford for the opening 10 laps until a multi-car crash brought out the caution flag. Thomas was involved in the incident, ending his night with a 16th place finish. Peterson was not involved, but somehow had a left front tire go down just before it. That ended his night in 17th. Ledford slowed after a restart, handing the lead over to uh, Jordan Grabowski. Then it was Ricky Thornton Jr. took the lead with six laps remaining and cruising to the win and $10,000 with Ooh. Mike McKinney finishing in second and Grabowski finishing in third. Then we go on to the late models. Cody Brower jumped out to the lead on lap number one of the main event and held on for the first 10 laps till Will Harrington took over. The caution came out with five laps to go, and Harrington suffered problems ending the night, and that was all that Turbo Tyler Herb needed to earn $30,000 30 for, for his 11th win of the year, and an emotional uh, Tyler Herb dedicated the win in, in uh, to memory of his father who passed away earlier in the week. Oh. Nobody even knew about that, uh, wow. and that was the amazing thing. Uh, until he until he got really emotional in victory lane and then and then mentioned it nobody knew that his father had passed away that earlier that week wow that that is weird because it's such a tight knit community yeah it, nobody knew it's it surprised even the people in the booth who are wow. very close to all these drivers it, it surprised them they had to throw it down they couldn't talk anymore huh. they had to throw it to somebody else and yeah it was one of those where it really shocked everybody and you know 
it was a real heartfelt win though for Tyler Herb too who uh no he's he's he, he can be a little bit controversial sometimes he's an aggressive driver he really mm-hmm. gets after it um but I mean that made a lot of fans that day for yeah. him wow uh it, and in other late model news uh XR had their um their final XR Super Series a race of the year, Superman Jonathan Davenport, with his win at the Alltech Speedway in Lake City, Florida, became the two million dollar man. Two million. That's how much he's won this year. Wow. <laughs> he won a significant amount of prize money racing in the XR Super Series this year. Who paid out a lot of lot of races that were forty and fifty thousand dollars to win, and as well as winning the Eldora Million earlier this year. Wow. Um, I saw a thing on uh, on Twitter. It must have been Jonathan Davenport's wife saying something along the lines of, all right, if you guys could please delete all those tweets uh, until tax season is over. That's <laughs> mentioned how much we've won. <laughs> I think they'll figure it out one way or another. I'm usually pretty good at this, <laughs> especially when they see that kind of money flying around here. Yeah, so wow. yeah. congratulations to the Jonathan Davenport. Of course, he had probably one of the greatest late model seasons of all time, and he didn't really run – a specific series altogether, like he's normally, like, I can't remember if he was Lucas Oil or World of Outlaw late models, but he didn't run a full season with either. And he just did a lot of the XR Super Series events, and and because of that, all the wins there and the Eldora Million, he's the two million dollar man. Wow, man, that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> two million. It's it's uh, that's nuts. So um, when was the last time that you got a forty thousand dollar check to make it over two million dollars in a year that you made? How about never? Yep, same here. <laughs> so I didn't need to. I didn't need to finish that sentence for. I didn't need to say anything after forty thousand dollar check. When was the last time I got a forty thousand dollar check? Never. How about never? <laughs> um, so he races. Uh, um, the the XR Super Series, but he races other series right, as well. Yeah, he just yeah. He, he runs where he wants. Yeah, right. Man, two million for the year, <laughs> and, and a dirt racer. You yeah. know, winning yeah. it on dirt, two million dollars. Uh, I I should have really put it up. Uh, I should have looked to see where everybody was at in NASCAR as far as their winnings this year. Sure, and see where that ranks because that's got to be up there. Oh, I would. Yeah, I I can. Yeah, we can look that up. He's, I mean, he, he won way more races than Ryan Blaney did this year, and I'm guessing that he won more <laughs> for getting first places than Ryan Blaney did. Yeah. Although, uh, well, R- Blaney did win the All-Star race, so that one might be up there in the in the money winnings. But, yeah, altogether, all though, that's Superman's got to have – he's got to rank quite a, bit, quite a bit up there in uh, in earn, earnings this year just, just off of winning. Wow, that is that's crazy money. Two <laughs> yep. million dollars. That that's uh I'd like a forty thousand dollar check. I would take I'd, it any day. I'd certainly take the two million, but I'd take that forty thousand dollar check for sure. So all Wait, right, well that who, who knows when we get paid for this. Um <laughs> that might be one of those big checks. Could be. All right. So uh that covers the racing action, but as mentioned earlier, we have a special guest coming up. That's right. We got Benji Fromke, who's uh, the man in command out of the Cheyenne Speedway out in Lisbon. He's done a lot of great things out there with the Cheyenne Speedway. Uh, lots of improvements over the last several years, and the racing has been pretty good out there too. And it's been a, been a good, a lot of fun out there at the Cheyenne Speedway. He's also involved with the Steffes Street Stock Tour and the Rebel Midwest Modified Tour, which for Wasota, uh, Wasota area racing, those are the two biggest tours we got. And it's uh, he's 
done a very good job with both of them. So he'll be our guest. All right. We are here with Benji Fromke. Benji is the man in charge out at the Cheyenne Speedway. He's also involved with the Steffes Street Stock and the Rebel Midwest Mod Tour. Benji, welcome to Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. So where does this uh, story start with you as far as getting involved in racing? Like, wh- like, what do you remember from the beginning of uh, of your life in racing? <laughs> uh, well, like a lot of people, uh, grew up with family. My dad raced, uncles raced, and and uh, just kind of kind of grew up with it. So uh, grew up going to the track in Lisbon from a tiny little kid to uh, hanging out in the pits with with. Uh, dad and uncles and friends and cousins and so it's kind of kind of all I knew and just kind of what we did kind of what we did and went to the racetrack and so always just kind of been hooked since a young age and and uh just like staying involved and uh like uh like watching the sport love everything about it and um wanted to try to help out help out how I can and keep things going so speaking of that helping out uh I mean, uh, did you at a young age get, kind of get involved behind the scenes, or did it just kind of come to you within the last few years? Um, so I've been involved with uh, like behind the scenes. Um, I, I did like some track photography, and then helped with some sponsorship stuff and marketing things, and uh, different phases throughout you know uh, people's lives. Uh, I've had time to do it over the last oh gosh maybe close to maybe close to. 20 years at, at the, at the speedway, but kind of hit and miss. And then the last, um, five years been pretty, uh, obviously, uh, on the promoter side of it, uh, kind of full, full, full all the way in and, and, uh, having a blast. So, so what made you make that, uh, that, that jump to become a promoter? Um, you know, I, I think just, uh, watching it is, is you kind of understand the other, the other side of it a little bit. Um, you realize how much work actually goes into uh, putting on these shows. And, um, you know, until you see that other side of it, a lot of times I don't think you really have the realization of how many hours and how much dedication and, and, and how much joy it brings to a lot of people. And, um, you know, until you kind of dip your foot into that side of it, um, you don't really understand it. And so when, when the, the racetrack, I mean, like a lot of racetracks have their, ups and downs and over the years and, and Lisbon's where I grew up and, and always just uh, had such fond memories and great memories of things at the, at the speedway um, when they were looking for help and needed somebody to kind of step up and, and take over the track. I rallied and called a bunch of my people cause I definitely couldn't do it myself. We've got a huge group of huge group of people that came together and, and uh, wanted to see the track stay stay going and 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 actually try to thrive and um so yeah it was just kind of a combination of a lot of things uh not wanting to see the track go away and a group of people kind of rallying together and and um trying to make the best of it for the for a, for a small community and um that's got a real rich racing history and in, in a small little town and it's been a lot of fun yeah Hey, Benji, what do you think has been the biggest challenge in transitioning into the promotion side of things or or the biggest um the biggest surprise something you didn't you didn't expect going into it sure um i would say until you actually fully uh get into i mean depending on there's there's multiple levels of roles at at every track and and every 
single spot plays such an, a key piece. And um, just at, at the top level of promoting, it's it's just all the behind the scenes of just all the fine little details of um, just having track workers and people there to help in every spot. And uh, the amount of hours that go in uh, before an actual event even takes place um, from <laughs> ordering concessions to the track prep that might start three, three, sometimes even four days before an event. Um, just the hours and the amount of commitment that it takes behind the scenes um, that nobody really gets any uh, notoriety for and nobody really probably ever is, but it's, it's all things that are required to put on a good event and, um, you know, if you can get kind of excited about that sort of stuff behind the scenes and, and understand that, keep your head down and keep uh, <laughs> keep charging through. Um, and at the end of the day, it, it creates a lot of great memories and, and puts on great entertainment for a community uh, and, and keeps people coming together. I think that's, you know, that uh, it makes it a little bit easier, I guess. Mm-hmm. Of, of all the problems that you have to deal with is uh, dealing with the uh, announcer's ego. Is that probably one of the worst <laughs> things? No doubt, no doubt, especially the ones from out of town. Out hey. of town yeah. I worked for you once this year, and all of a sudden I have an ego problem. No, we love having Corey. Corey's one of the best in the business, and uh, him and our our uh, local announcer Scott have got a, a quite quite a quite a long history together of uh, playing sports against one another. So I I actually think when when Corey's down there and Corey and Scott are together, it's uh, it, it's quite a duo, and it's it's a lot of fun to listen to, and I know the fans really enjoy it. So, well, you broke three of my ribs. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Hey, you guys, you're you're, you're you're still trying to get over that. I know. Uh, you know, I and that's he. You know, he had me in every sport. I'll, I'll give him that. But I, <laughs> I will say, I'm the better announcer. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. <laughs> What's the? I got to know the rib story. He, he broke three of my ribs in an eighth grade football game. He oh, hit me okay. that good. <laughs> I had rib pads on and everything, and I was a running back. He was a linebacker. And we were doing a pitch pass play where I was supposed to throw it, and I had my arm up, uh-huh. and he got me right underneath the arm, <laughs> and just all of a sudden I'm like, oh, that is not a pain I'm used to ever. Ouch. And, yeah, a couple days later, I went and got it checked out. Yeah, there were three broken ribs in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he smoked me pretty good in that one. Felt pretty good, huh, Benji? <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, you know, Scott was even just a couple years younger than me in, in school growing up, so I, I grew up Scott knowing I graduated with his uh, one of his older brothers and uh, yeah, Scott was definitely a gifted athlete. Uh, I think he probably whooped me in several sports, being even younger than me too. So, <laughs> and he <laughs> not, knew not he was better. Comment. He knew he was better than most of the people he was playing against yeah. too. So, yeah, yeah he yeah. had that advantage. <laughs> but, uh, and yeah, I, uh, but other than that, I mean, other than losing to him all the time, I've really had a lot of fun with the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. Great guy. He's heavily involved with lots of stuff down in Lisbon sports, and now he's got his kids involved and stuff. And um, you know, we've just got so many, including him, and and so many people at the racetrack that have um, you know helped out some of the, some of the one of the old past announcer Pokey Luke's, which I'm sure you know. Pokey, uh, he's been he's the involved. Best. <laughs> him and his wife Val. I mean, there's so many key people uh, that there's no way we could do it without it. Sometimes I just look and pinch myself half the time and I'm like, Holy, I can't believe all these people just can't just, they're all just showing up all the time <laughs> to make this <laughs> right. work. Cause 
there's so many people that come together to to make it all work. And if we were missing uh, only just a few of them, I I honestly I don't know how we would do it. So since you've taken over, there've been a lot of a lot of great improvements out there at the Cheyenne Speedway. I mean, you've done a lot. You've really you've really dressed that place up a bit. Uh, what 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 have you really changed since you uh, you've taken over out there? Um, yeah, we've, uh, seems like every year, uh, we've tried to tackle a project, uh, gosh, we're going on five years now and, and there's been lots of other things done, but, um, you know, tracks, I mean, especially being up here in the, in the cold tundra, uh, take, take their toll over the winter and things that you might've updated five, 10, 20 years ago, uh, seem to deteriorate quite quickly in a outdoor facility. So, um, you know, we've made a lot of safety improvements. Um, uh, was one of the first things we really needed to tackle. Um, a lot of your catch fence deals, uh, which you know serve as, you know, basically if somebody rolls or a car's coming over, I mean, we need to protect the fans and protect the drivers. And so a lot of those things were very deteriorated, which are not glamorous projects, but they're they're monumental uh, projects and. Uh, Everything at a racetrack seems like they take a lot longer than like if you're just doing your fence in your backyard, it's, you know, you might be able to hammer it out in a weekend or a couple weekends. And it seems like feet and stretch for, for miles <laughs> on <laughs> yeah. the racetrack when you start getting out on a racetrack and you're like, going, oh boy, yeah, we got to go from here all the way to there. Yeah. So, um, catch fence, walls, uh, we've painted, we've revamped so many different things. We've had to update, uh, equipment, um, to be honest, when we took it over, it was there. There was a facility there. There was a track. Um, you know, the structure was there, but it was uh, it was in dire need of pretty much about everything needing to get, uh, you know, updated, uh, improved. <laughs> uh, you know, um, so yeah, I I don't even know where to start. I mean, honestly, I've had people come up locally, uh, and I think that's where we've built a lot. Just just a lot of hard work behind the scenes and. Um, it doesn't even look recognizable from what a lot of people tell me it used to look like before. I, I have a hard time picturing it even before, but, uh, we've, we've almost kind of redecorated and redid almost the whole thing <laughs> in a certain way. Well, I know you, you extended the wall on the front stretch that used to go right yep. where the, and then, uh, put a catch fence up there. You, you did a, yes. a brand new PA system out there, which is some, one of the, one yep. of the best PAs I've worked under. Um, yeah, and then, yeah. then you added a lot more seating. Which... Yeah. Geez, I, I forgot about the, yeah, we, uh, we uprooted that from, uh, West Fargo, uh, it was the old West Fargo Packers, um, football at the stadium there, uh, in West Fargo. We, everything we've done down at the racetrack is obviously done on, you know, a penny or 10 cents on the dollar to, you know, make, make it stretch as far as possible. And so we, we had had over the years we had grown and when we had some larger shows, uh, we were, we were packing the grandstand of what we had for grandstand. And, and it was, we literally had several shows that were, uh, people were standing. There literally was no more seating. They were, it was so packed. And so then the goal had started to become, well, if we want to be able to host some bigger shows and kind of, you know, stay on par with our growth, we're going to need more grandstands. Well, you start figuring out how much grandstands cost and you about get, you know, <laughs> blow, blow, blown away with that, with that cost. And so we thought, well, like everything we've done down there, uh, 
you know, DIY, do it yourself. And, and so we, we found some grandstands and basically uh, uprooted grandstands from West Fargo and transported them to Lisbon and, and, uh, and then obviously updated them uh, from there on out, you know, made, made the improvements and did different things. But yeah, that was a huge, that was a massive project. <laughs> I don't know if I have enough energy to go through a project like that again, but we, we doubled, we doubled our seating, um, which has been great. So, which has been great. Uh, you know, it, it allows us to host some, some larger events and uh, gives people a little more room to stretch out if they're at the races now too, where before we were, you were literally shoulder to shoulder, um, you know, pretty packed in there. So, so that's, that's been a great addition. Yes. Well, I, t- I totally agree with you on that one. So, so Benji, uh, you said uh, double, how many people can you, can you fit? Yeah, so we can we can seat about fifteen hundred on our on our side uh, before we were probably somewhere around that seven fifty to eight hundred, and so doubling our seating um, a couple years ago was uh, you know was a big deal. So sure, okay. What what's your uh, what's your favorite night of the year? Oh boy, well I would I would have to say Memorial Day. Um, Memorial Day has always been. Uh, just a very special race in Lisbon. Um, just the history. We're actually going into uh, 2023 will be the 50th year uh, for the Cheyenne Speedway. And so they've always, for the longest time, always held a race on Memorial Day on Monday. Um, the town does a parade. Um, we're involved with it with from the track to having races that night. Um, and we do kind of a special tribute where we get all the cars out on the track. Um, we have kind of a special tribute uh, to all the ones that we've lost and all the ones that are serving. And, and that race has really grown over the last how many years. It's, it's really kind of a cool thing to see and be part of. And, um, you know, we're just thankful for all the volunteers and all the drivers and all the people and that, that show up and, and help support that event. All right, we're talking with Benji Frompke right now. He is the promoter at Cheyenne Speedway. Also has a lot to do with the Steffa Street Stock Tour and the Rebel Midwest Modified Tour. Um, Benji, we uh, uh, you, you, you had some tough luck with the weather last year. Um, and uh, on your schedule, you had a lot of late model shows uh, out there that kind of got washed out quite a bit. Are you planning on having a lot more of them again this year out at the Cheyenne Speedway? Um, I know we will definitely have some late model shows. I don't know, uh, as far as in 2023, if we'll have as many as, as what we attempted this year, but, um, yeah, this year was an interesting year. Uh, we, we tried to have races all of May and mother nature was not, did not play friendly with us at all. (laughs) We didn't get any May racing in and I think if we would have went back one more year, we would have been able to race every single weekend in May. So um, that was a bit of a disappointment, but at the same time, um, you know, it was exciting to add late models. There was a lot of excitement just from, from the fan side to uh, people being able to see those, those cars a lot more often. Um, We've always had NLRA late model shows in the past and um, have a lot of times been, you know, one of our definite marquee events. Uh, other than like the Memorial Day race, and so it was fun to um, bring those back and, and and give give the fans some more late model shows. And so 
Um, we're definitely planning to have some more late model shows in 2023 uh, once we get everything finalized. But, uh, yeah, weather was hard on us this year. We, <laughs> spring was hard. Spring was hard in 2022. So uh, uh, one of the things that Cheyenne Speedway has been known to do is they take the entire month of July off. And uh, it, because you're, I mean, you guys are one of the few uh, tracks that just realizes there's not a lot of money to be made in July, is there? No, and uh, we we kind of evolved into that, um, uh, you know, scheduling format, I guess. Uh, over the years, we, we definitely tried to have some races in July. Um, if you're not familiar with Lisbon, Lisbon's a, it's, it's a beautiful little small rural town, a couple thousand people down in the valley. Um, and obviously our summers are short here. Uh, we don't have like a covered grandstand and all that sort of stuff, so... You know, over time, it was a lot of people leave Lisbon on the weekends. And so, uh, and especially when it's 90 or 100 degrees outside and it gets hot, it's hard to hard to sit in a grandstand as well. So we just, we started taking that off. And I, I got busier over the years with um, some of the tour racing things that I got involved with. And so, you know, some of it was a combination of just, uh, giving people a break and we're also our whole entire track is ran by volunteers uh, including myself so it's um it was just nice when we finally hit that stage to uh give people a breather you know let them allow to go do some other things during the summer um and you know honestly it, it, it was very well received um i think we might in 2023 try to have a race or two. I think we might not take as long of a break. I think people have uh, kind of yearned for racing down there a little mm -hmm. bit as it's grown. And so um, we're going to hopefully not, not make people wait quite as long. So uh, we're always evolving. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We, we uh, mentioned also, of course, the Steffa Street Stock Tour, the Rebel Midwest Modified Tour. Just kind of give us a little bit of, little bit of background on what those are and uh, what your involvement is there. Sure. Um, yeah, so both of those tours, um, back, it was COVID year, and uh, uh, two of our core classes is our Midwest Mods and, and our Street Stocks, and um, a lot of times, uh, those guys really didn't have any sort of a touring series or something special to highlight those drivers, and, and realistically, those are those are a lot of your, your backbone of, of any uh dirt track in the upper Midwest. And so um, there was just conversations between drivers and, and um, some tracks and promoters and sponsors that, that wanted to do something. And so we put together a, um, put together a schedule and um, got some drivers together and said, Hey, would you guys be interested in, you know, uh, forming kind of a touring series and just one thing led to another. And, and um yeah, the street stock tour has just been incredible. Uh, I mean, I always had high high hopes for it, but you just don't really know what what it's going to eventually become. And the racing is just, I mean, the drivers are, they all get along. They all race super hard on the racetrack, but they're kind of friends off. Um, they travel to all these different racetracks. We traveled to four different states. We had 16 plus different racetracks we went to. Um you know, and, and it's it's kudos to those guys that that uh, love the series. Uh, they love doing something for their race class, and the racing has just been knockout incredible. I think it's been 
we've gotten like number one rated dirt race central, you know, race of the year, uh, different times and highlighted for things. So the, the racing's awesome. The fans love it because they get to see the best of the best street stock drivers. Uh, and same goes for like the rebel Midwest mod tour. Um, you know, just some incredible drivers in that. And it's, it's a great way to give back to the drivers, uh, that support your racetrack all the time. And, and, uh, just see a bunch of great drivers together instead of maybe just at the end of the year or, you know, certain specials, you get to kind of sprinkle them throughout the year. And, uh, yeah, it's worked really well. It's, uh, another, just a lot of phone calls and a lot of work. And, (laughs) but at the end of the day, it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun conversing with those guys and, and great feedback from the fans. So, so uh, with you, uh, with the Cheyenne Speedway, Stephens Street Stock Tour, Rebel Midwest Modified Tour, um, for one, how do you keep all the hair on your head and not rip it out? <laughs> and how do you still keep the your uh, original hair color the way it is? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It is, it is starting to change, Corey. If you get them close <laughs> enough, yeah, you'll have to look. And it's starting to – the grays and whites are starting to fade in a little bit. So, um I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe there's just a lot of dirt in it. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. That might, might be why it keeps its color, but, um, no, it, it, it definitely gets to be a lot to juggle, but honestly, I, I, I really do enjoy it. Um, it, 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 it's a lot of fun. I, I really feel like it brings a lot of value to the drivers and, and I, I've really gotten to form a lot of relationships with a lot of the promoters and, you know, these races and tour races are definitely bringing, um, you know, a lot of value to these, to these tracks as well. So it's, it's really fun to see something kind of new, um, spring up and, and, and for it to bring value to everybody from fans to the drivers, to the promoters. And, you know, that's really what it takes in racing is, is, uh, if one's too lopsided, a lot of times, you know, those things don't work. And, and I feel like we've got a really good balance, um, with both of these tours and, and then obviously from Cheyenne, it's just, uh, you know, where I grew up hometown, it, it, it's fun having entertainment in a small town community, uh, where people can come together and see what's going on and enjoy some outdoor entertainment. And, and, um, you know, a lot of the volunteers are, are, are some of my, some of my very close friends and, and formed a lot of very close relationships with a lot of people. And so it's, it's fun seeing those people during the summer and, um, just everybody working together to to put something on for the community is 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 a lot of fun. So uh, you know, again, having a racetrack in a small town like Lisbon, I mean, what's the buzz like out there when you're when you're out and about in Lisbon? Do they do they love you? Do they hate you? Or do you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, that depends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I I would actually say the vibe is is very good in Lisbon. Uh, I mean, Lisbon's got a very rich history of racing um there's a lot of there's just a lot of people that grew up going to the racing and it's like like a lot of sports you know it's it's passed down from generation to generation and so um you know we in the last couple years which has been really interesting um we've had a lot more in our sport they always talk about right how to get the youth involved and um you know there's all high school sports and all those sort of things and we've got an incredible amount of you know, high school kids to young kids. Um, you know, I know you and even announce up at the, right, the Red River Kart Club, you know, yeah. we've, we've, from what you guys do at the go-kart club to how young some of these kids are getting involved with racing. And, 
it's just really fun to see it evolve and, and for, you know, pass down from generation to generation. And I just think it's a cool sport because it also, not everybody stays connected with right family and friends and, you know, how do you bring people together? And, and the racing community is just so unique that way that it's just what they do. And um, it, it's, it's just fun being involved with it because it, it just feels like everybody's together uh, you're having fun. You're out, you're out doing some things together as a family or with friends. And, um, you know, not all sports, you know, uh, continue after high school for everybody. So it's fun for people to do things, uh, as a fun hobby and, and, and also do it with your friends and family. So who was your favorite racer back when you were a kid? Oh, well, definitely. I mean, I obviously was, uh, my my uncles and my dad and and all those people obviously those those are who I looked up to and and uh, my older cousin Duffy obviously I used to just pretty much follow him around and watch everything that he did and he raced for years and his dad raced and so oh I got lots of favorite racers um, you know Todd Carter Jerry Lamb both of those guys are still even involved with the track today and Todd still races Jerry just recently retired after uh, he still blades the track and so. It's really fun to, you know, from me being a little kid to, you know, wanting one of their hero cards as you're just a little <laughs> little kid and signing off on that sort of stuff to now all of a sudden you're kind of standing side by side with them and, and, and continuing on, keeping the track going and, and keeping people coming back to the track. It's it's kind of, it's pretty fun, pretty gratifying. So what... Benji, what is uh, what's what's next? What do you have uh, as you look? You know, a year, two years, five years, ten years down the road, down there at the speedway. What what's on your mind? To uh, uh, are there any projects coming up or or uh, anything you'd like to see happen down there? Um. Yeah, I was just actually talking with uh, one of our other. Uh, key track people just last night we were uh just spinning around ideas uh with the speedway and they all they all get nervous when i start talking about hey i got an idea that's <laughs> kind of a classic uh i got an idea what do you guys think of this usually they, now they run um but <laughs> but no we um I, there's just so many things um to improve at the track uh we've got some more Oh, uh, concession ideas to, um, different staging, different areas. Uh, you know, we've updated a lot of things. We do need one of the main things on our, on our agenda is track lighting. Um, it's one thing that we have, uh, addressed. We, we've made adjustments. We, we've changed out some lights. We've added some lights, but our lights are very old. And, um, we've always prided ourselves on getting done racing, like, very very in a very fast you know time period as far as you know from what what some other places do so we're usually done in about two and a half hours we start at six we're usually done about eight thirty, no later than typically nine and so which is also because our lighting isn't great and so i think one of the things but lighting is another one of those uh very expensive projects uh that cost cost a pretty enormous amount of money and and so we've been trying to raise some funding and I, I think that's going to be a focus uh for the racetrack uh moving forward is to try to get some some really good lighting which uh will just you know help fans see the races a little better help drivers see the top of the racetrack a little bit better 
and um, just hopefully bring bring more people to the track. So I would say track lighting is is something that's on the agenda, and then trying to um, constantly from the promotional side, trying to get you know more driver fan interaction. Uh, we've got some ideas for this next year uh, since we've kind of went through the COVID year, and how close can you be, and this and that. I mean, I think we're um, you know definitely have some ideas as far as some fan interaction and trying to make these guys hometown heroes and local heroes, um, you know, people that kids can look up to and go interact with and, and, uh, get them involved in the sport. Hmm. Well, all right. I think that's pretty much everything we got here for you, for you right now, but, uh, do you have anything, anybody, uh, you'd like to just kind of thank right now? Well, Hey, thank you guys for, uh, you know, reaching out and, and, uh, letting us, you know, talk about racing, I guess a little bit in the off season, we all, we, we all we all go into a little bit of a slight depression, I think, <laughs> up here when all of a sudden the snow hits, and so it's it's some, always fun. To, some a little heavier than others. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's it's always fun to talk about racing with you guys and and try to build some anticipation for the next year. And I'm excited about next year. And um, you definitely have got to thank uh, our track one operate with all of our volunteers. Uh, we've got so many incredible volunteers. Um, you know, we've got, I think uh, close to 40 or 50, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. On a list of people that, that help out, um, at different times, some all the time. And, and we just literally could not do what we do in that small town without, um, all the volunteers. And, uh, so got to thank them and the drivers and all the fans and businesses and, and, um, yeah, just very thankful. So, yeah. Benji, where can they learn more about Cheyenne Speedway? Where can people go? Um, so I would say uh, on Facebook, obviously, Cheyenne Speedway on Facebook. Um, it's spelled with an S, so S-H, not uh, not the Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, so Cheyenne uh, Speedway and then also CheyenneSpeedway.com. So we're, uh, we go a little bit dormant in the wintertime, but uh, definitely go to our page. We, we post a lot of videos, a lot of photos, um, really try to, uh, you know, promote promote what we got going on so um yeah awesome well thanks for coming on and taking the time with us and uh uh fighting through our technical difficulties a little bit and and we appreciate it and hopefully uh uh we can have you on again maybe with your 50th year coming up we can we can yeah. uh, give you a holler sometime no oh, we'd love that so thank you guys thanks a lot appreciate it thank you benji okay see you see you Corey. yep thanks guys all right bye-bye Bye-bye. All right. Well, that, uh, that I think that wraps it up for this episode. Yes, it does. And uh, yeah, big special thank you to Benji Fromke for coming on here, being very informative and uh, very entertaining yeah. at the same time. All right. Well, again, thanks for being here. Um, let your friends know about Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap. You can find that uh, at kfgo.com or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. So until next time, I'm Ryan Janke for Corey Litton. We'll see ya.